Welcome back to the Informal Podcast. I am Austin Coley, and I'm here with my co-host, per usual, Sam Lewis. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. This is the second pod in Inside a Week. We are making up for lost time. We're going to be doing day-by-day pods before this is over. The informal... Like what happened on Jeopardy? What, what, was, what was new on Wheel of Fortune? Welcome to the daily podcast from your media conglomerate, Informal. Tweets. Austin Riley's making his MLB debut today. Yeah, he is. And chances are, on the TV. chances are this podcast is going to go well into the Braves game, and I will be watching Austin Riley's first Major League at bat live with all the people. So it'll be fun for me. <laughs> No, we have a uh, we have a strict time frame here. We got an hour. We got a hard hour, and so we'll see we'll see how this goes. With that being said, let's get moving on this, and we only have a few topics to hit. There's not a, not a ton going on, um, and I don't really know the the pros and cons of you know three points three pointers versus mid range in the NBA. So we can just <laughs> skip that. Um, let's get to let's get to the Premier League because big stuff happened on Sunday. And it was to be expected, but still, it's, it's a big deal. So walk, walk us through what went down on Sunday over across the pond. The Premier League ended on Sunday. It was the last, um, last week of the Premier League season. Manchester City wrapped up the title in what I have been told was one of the best title races in Premier League history. I wouldn't know. I just started watching it this year. It was the best Premier League race I've ever paid attention to. I will say that, full stop. But... Um, in seriousness, I think City won the last 14 games they played, which is incredible. I mean, no one ever wins in soccer. Every soccer game finishes nil-nil. So just the fact that they won 14 games in a row is pretty impressive. And I think we should we should give them some credit. We've been a full-on Liverpool podcast. Saudis we, pulled it out. We, we were very anti-Saudi Arabia, and I think we still are. But, hey, shout-out to them. They won the Premier League, wrapped it up officially on Sunday. On Monday, a New York Times article came out about how FIFA is trying to ban them from next year's Champions League for like blatantly cheating. So um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, that's what happens in soccer, though. You have to cheat to win, I think. So um, shout out to to friend of the podcast, Andrew Molendor, Manchester City fan. Good for you, buddy. You know, your your Saudi Arabian team got another got another title. I'm proud of you. I really am. Um, well, if, if FIFA's if FIFA's involved, you know there's cheating. Oh, well, I mean, everybody's cheating, and the soccer... Well, yeah, I mean, it, along along with the NCAA and the NBA lottery, for sure. Oh, the lottery, oh yeah, the lottery's rigged. It's funny to me, though, that FIFA is like the governing body that's supposed to be policing this stuff when FIFA is probably the dirtiest organization on planet Earth themselves. So, I mean, it takes one to know one, I guess. But, I mean, City's not going to get banned from anything because FIFA is going to try to try to get hit them with their little ban or whatever, and City... And their Saudi Arabian overlords are going to hire four hundred thousand lawyers, and just like it's going to get caught up, and they're not going to get banned till twenty fifty five. So I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't been losing sleep over it really. <laughs> so I mean, personally, I wanted Liverpool to win this. I did too. I, I, I did too. I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm not a Liverpool fan, but just you know, with, with how they came back and and they won. Um, in the Champions League, I don't know, and, and also just in, I wanted drama. I wanted Manchester City to to draw and, and Liverpool to um, Liverpool to win. I I just think that would have made for a more interesting Sunday. I, I checked the score when it was one to one, so I was like, man, if who, so who are they playing again? I don't even remember the teams. Then. City, yeah, they were playing Brighton. Okay, so they were playing Brighton. Do they have a nickname or no? The Seagulls. 
they're the seagulls. Sorry, they're just seagulls. Um, <laughs> and were they wearing their actual colors or were they wearing alternate no, colors? No, it's the most annoying thing because City have a great jersey. It's like the sky blue. Like, it's it's fantastic. But they were wearing some weird, like, navy and lime green monstrosity. So they won the title and not their regular colors, which was annoying. Do you think they just, like, spin a big wheel and see what color they lands on? I guess, because I've seen, I've distinctly remember seeing City wear, like, an all, also equally terrible purple and orange alternate jersey at some point this year, too. So there's no telling why. They, I mean, Brighton, like, they're white and blue, so I understand not wearing your blue, but how they arrived at the jersey they wore. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Listen to our last pod sure. to hear about okay. the Premier League uh, uniform choices. Yeah, I guess all this is beside the point. And they were tied 1-1 with Brighton. And I thought, man, if Brighton scored, like, that's that's pretty big, honestly, because you expe- I expected Man City to win this game, like, 1-0 or 2-0. It's me just not knowing very much about soccer, just knowing that Manchester City had to win. You'd think they'd score one, and if they're lucky, they get a second. And then they would just lock down on D, right? And, like... But when it was one one, I was like, "Man, this this could this could happen." And then it did not happen because Manchester City came back and scored abruptly. They actually City went down one nil. Brighton scored the first goal. Oh, it was one. It was one nil. It was one nil, and I think I think Brighton scored in like the twenty seventh minute or something. So, like Brighton's obviously going crazy. Everybody in Liverpool is going crazy because they're checking their phone. They see that City's down one nil, and I kid you not. One minute and 13 seconds later, City scored to tie it. Like, they score, and then you have, like, the kickoff, and from the kickoff, City just went right down and scored, and, like, Brighton didn't even get in their way. It took a minute and 13 seconds to tie it up, and then they scored again, and then they scored again, and then they scored one more time for good measure. Yeah, there you go. Well, honestly, thinking about it now, it's good, right? Because we all want, you know, all oh, the underdog to come back, the Cinderella story. But that's not real life. Real life is the big guy wins, and that's what happened. <laughs> Take that home, kids. Uh, and I mean, let's not let's not sugarcoat it. Liverpool's not an underdog. I mean, they're one of the biggest clubs in the world too. And also, another point that's being overlooked here is Liverpool had a seven point lead. You know, with like two months left in the season, and they, they didn't choke by any means. I mean, they they Liverpool lost one game all year and it was to Manchester City on a last second goal by Leroy Sané. It's, they lost one game. They played 38 times and they lost once and they didn't win the title. It's unbelievable. Yeah, because Manchester City won their last. What did you say? Four, 13. 14 in a row. 14. They I think I saw a stat that since Christmas City were 14 and they like they either 14 wins and one loss, 14 wins and one draw. Something ridiculous. Since Christmas. Since Christmas. It's when does the Premier League season start? August. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is an insanely long season. Well, it's just like the NBA. The, the NBA, yeah. I guess the NBA starts in when? At the end of October? Yeah. September? October through June. If you count so the So not playoffs. nearly as long. But like who's pl- if if Brighton and Swansea, Swansea even in the in the Premier League No, anymore. they're not in the Premier League. Bright, okay, that sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to. Ouch. Didn't, didn't mean to. Didn't mean to Shots yeah, fired. Daggy there. So if if Brighton and Wolves are playing in on September 2nd, who cares about that game one bit? Every, it's like a preseason game. Everyone, no, because they all count the exact same. Because it's 38 games that if you win, you get three points. So if Liverpool only lost one game, but they drew like seven or eight times, and they had a draw in there... Against, 
say they drew to Wolves. I don't know. Well, if, if they would have beat Wolves instead of drawn to Wolves in September, they would have won the title. So it doesn't feel as important, but it's just as important. And I'll tell you who cares. All the Seagulls in Brighton care. That's who cares. Austin Coley. The Seagulls, huh? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that it was an interesting race because this, along with the Champions League, and along with you buzzing in my ear for the past two months, have, have definitely brought me more intrigue into this sport. And I'd say, you know, when I'm, I'm not all in yet, so when August comes around, I'm not going to be flipping the TV on Saturday morning. But I will say, once it starts to get close again, and maybe some of the big games, you know, I think about tuning in because it is fun to see two powerhouses that, that obviously have good talent and players that you're like, man, something special. Like, for instance, in the Champions League with Messi, when they were playing Liverpool, he had that free kick, which he wrapped around, bent it like Beckham. <laughs> like, how stupid is that? It's unbelievable. You know? Soccer's it, it, fun, It really man. is. At the highest level, soccer is fun. Now, lower level soccer, maybe not so much fun. But at the highest level, it's absolutely fun. And next year is going to be the exact same because Manchester City and Liverpool are going to bring everybody back and probably sign two or three more world-class players each. And they're going to go back at it again next year. Well... Yeah, that, that's that's kind of wanted to ask what I wanted to ask you about. We didn't we didn't prep for this or anything, but looking into next year, like are the odds sort of sort of you know the same? Like what what does it look like? Do you have any idea going into next year what um, team structure and possible you know top four teams could look like? Um, well, we've talked about it before. There's six there's six big clubs in England that all expect to be in the top four. Manchester United are in an awful state. Um, they're hiring a full-time manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that we talked about at length about two months ago. Malarkey. Not going well. It's not going well at all. They, they've won two games out of their last 13, I think. Um, barely hold, held on to sixth place even. So I wouldn't expect them to be in the top six. Arsenal's in a similar kind of situation where they kind of collapse down at the end of the season. They you know, wouldn't expect them to be in it. So then you're down to Chelsea, Tottenham, Man City, and Liverpool. I expect that to be the top four with City and Liverpool being the clear favorites. Um, Tottenham, I mean, Tottenham are in the Champions League final, so maybe they'll sneak up and do something. But I think it's those those four teams and specifically the two teams that were in it at the end this year probably going to be the favorites next year too, and that is my Premier League prognostications a year in the future. Okay, one year in the future, let's pick champion. Who is your champion in the 2020 Premier League? The Brighton and Hove Albion Seagulls. It's not it. I'm going to take City because, I mean, they're City. So City and Liverpool both scored. I think City had 97 points, or Liverpool had 97 points, and City had 98 points. In all other Premier League seasons except for one, Liverpool's point total would have won the championship. So either one of those two teams are their – far and above and beyond everyone else. It could be either one. I'll take City because Liverpool haven't won in 30 years. Okay, well, I say Tottenham's going to win. They might. I think they, they, so especially if they win the Champions League, you know, they'll definitely be bolstered. A lot of momentum. And, so the Champions League is supposed to be on a greater scale than the Premier League, correct? Like it's it's one step up. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like I, I feel like the winner of the Premier League, like Manchester City won, they've you know, it's it's such a large season long accumulation and 
for them to win is um, is like winning the Super Bowl almost. Right. But with the way the Champions League is set up, it's almost like this other little tournament that it just seems like it doesn't mean as much as a season long deal. So like I feel like there's more emphasis put on Manchester City winning this you know insane race against Liverpool in the in the Premier League. Then whoever comes out of the Champions League, the Champions League is—it's I mean, a tournament, and there's like there's group stages at the beginning, but once you get through the group stage, it's a knockout stage tournament. So, I mean, just think about it like the NCAA tournament—the best college basketball team doesn't win the tournament every year. You know, usually, they don't. So, the Champions League is the same kind of thing. You, to be in the Champions League, you have to be extremely good, but the best team doesn't necessarily win because, I mean, if you if you're Barcelona, you got Messi you're probably arguably one of the best two or three teams in the world, but you had one bad game and Liverpool beat you and you're out. Whereas the Premier League is 38 games over, you know, whatever, 10 and a half months. The best team is more likely to come to the top in that situation. Right. So the Champions League final is on June 1st. So we're a little more than two weeks away. And I was kind of disappointed. I thought they would just continue week by week. So, I mean, now the, now the struggle is that, both Tottenham and Liverpool have to just sort of sit at home and practice for the next two and a half weeks, and you just never know what sort of rust can accumulate. I mean, I don't, they don't have any other games going on until then, right? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so because the Premier League season's over. There is um, like the English League Cup, which is just it's like it's a domestic league in England that's still going on, but Tottenham and Liverpool are both already out of it, so they're not playing in that. And I think it's good for Tottenham, though, the layoff. I think it's good because they've got a ton of injuries. Harry Kane has been out for the last three or four weeks with a brutal ankle injury. He might be back for that June 1st um, final, so that would be huge to get him back. they got some other guys that are nicked up. I think that goes in Tottenham's favor. Um, you want to pick this game? I mean, we've, we've proven ourselves to be soccer prognosticators, so – yeah, absolutely. I feel like a, an, op, an octopus just reaching out one way would have a better chance. <laughs> I, have than a, I have a feeling which way you're going to go. Yeah, I'm going to pick Tottenham. <laughs> Resident Tottenham fan. Uh, yeah, they're going to win everything apparently, according to me. I'm I'm curious to see once I start watching this game who I'm rooting for because I don't know. I've I've been kind of pulling for Liverpool the last few weeks for I don't know why. It's just you know you watch a game and you find yourself leaning one way or the other. Um, I'm going to take Liverpool. I think Liverpool's better top to bottom, but I'm curious to see if I start rooting for Tottenham when it starts. All right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll preview that game here coming up in a couple weeks. Deep dive. So I've got one more question for you on soccer. Okay. We've, been, we've been leading with soccer a lot lately, uh, which, yeah, is, which has been great. It's either, yeah. but, it's either that yeah, or so, hockey. <laughs> true. That's very true. So, or the conspiracy closet, which it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right. Next week is just, Stay tuned. just conspiracy Stay closet tuned. next week. Yeah, just always conspiracy closet. I, I was talking to my wife earlier, and I was telling her, you know, about the conspiracy we're doing today. She said, when did you guys, she hadn't listened to the podcast. Of course, so why would she? She was, like, she, she was like, when did you guys stop doing sports? <laughs> and I was like, well, we still kind of do sports, but this is really the bread and butter. Anyways, so my, my question about soccer is that you can play for club and you can play for country, right? Like it's a sort of two-in-one right. deal. So there's country games going on all the time. Like I see USA playing at all times of the year. But the fact is that a lot of the USA players are away playing for club teams. So how does that work with sort of the um, 
distribution of games played for club or, or for country. That's part of the reason the season lasts so long, I think, because there's international breaks. So it's not there's not international break every month, but there like a lot of months will have weeks where there's just there's no club games. So like for instance in February, let's say from the second week of February, there's just no there's no club games at all. Everyone goes back to their home country and that's when you play your national team games. And if you don't play for the national team, you just get to go home. Right. You just you either stay you either stay with the club and train or you yeah, get a week off. Yeah, I wish baseball had that. That'd be kind of cool. Okay, yeah. I uh I don't have anything else. Anything anything you want to add? No, that's it. Congratulations to Man City wrapping up the title and uh everybody should watch the Champions League final. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I would recommend that. All right, let's talk some golf, which has been Starting to become a, a very intentional topic on this show, which I'm very happy about. Starting to really, uh, you know, narrow our focus a little bit. So, the PGA Championship is this weekend at Bethpage Black. Which, if I see somebody else post a picture of that, this is an expert course. Play at your own risk or whatever. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've seen that thing already the last two weeks. So, yeah, we get it. It's hard. It's a major championship course. It is a hard course. Duh. Yeah. So, going into this week, obviously Tiger Woods won the Masters, which was the first major of the year, even though the PGA Tour would like you to believe that the players was the first major of the year. But um, I digress. And this is the second major. This is won last year by Brooks Kepka, which – he is he is the favorite to win this year again. So I've never played Beth Page Black. So I, I mean I've just from what I've read about it, where I've heard about it, um, and what I've seen on TV, it is it's a hard course. Like the fescue on it, on if you miss if you miss short stuff, you're in really, really long stuff. And if the weather interferes at all, it's it's just gonna be even worse. I don't know what the winning score is gonna be, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be under ten under. And if the weather's bad, it could be under even par if they if they make it really difficult. I know there's U.S. Open there a couple of years ago, and the scores were atrocious. It's also a pretty long course. It's like 7,500 yards or something, which is it's not like stupid long, but basically you you you're not going to want like a four iron into a par four on on most of these holes because there's so much trouble that like you you're going to want wedges to score really. Um, so I, I think this course definitely benefits the guys that can hit it long and straight because they'll have a lot lesser clubs in their bag. Um, guys that hit it and spray it a little bit, a la Bubba Watson, no chance. There is no <laughs> chance to win this weekend. I don't know what his odds are, but I'm going to scroll to the bottom here. Um, he has he has absolutely no chance to win this weekend. So Shots fired at yeah, Bubba. It, yeah, there you go. I mean, that's maybe, maybe drive the ball great. I don't know. <laughs> Um, plus five. He's got better odds than Tyler Hall, who is plus. He's yeah. Got better odds than Phil. Does he really? Yeah. Bubba's plus five thousand. Phil's plus seven thousand, and we all know Phil hits bombs. Right. Yeah. That's what he says, at least. (laughs) Um, Right. So I tell you who this course is going to be really tough on is the PGA Tour Pro or the PGA Club Pros. So I don't know how many are in this tournament, but every year the, the PGA Championship invites PGA club pros who have qualified and won their regionals to this event to play in the major. 
if it's a you know an okay course, these guys can compete. But these guys aren't going to be able to compete with you know the 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 tour guys on this course. And I would be surprised if if a PGA uh, club pro even even made the cut. Like it's it's just it's just going to be brutal. What do you think you would shoot if you had one round on this course and had to play from the tips? So you got to play from the tips, and I'm assuming all PGA rules. Apply like m- apply. Mulligan man can't nope. hit a couple of shots for me. <laughs> the second guy is not playing. <laughs> the second guy There's is no so fluff. good though. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> the second guy could be the PGA Tour pro. He's so um, good. There's there's no fluffing of lies. Um, there's no gimmies, right? Um, every every stroke counts until you get it in the hole. So it's a par seventy, right? There's only. There's only two par fives. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure. I'll check that. I heard that. It, the last time they played the U.S. Open here, it was a par 70. I've got that in front of me. So there's only there's only two par fives, and one of them is 605 yards, which is insane. So you're not making a birdie there. I'm just going to bake in for myself on this course at least bogey golf on every hole. So we're going to take par from 70 to 88. And then I'm going to assume that I make at least 10 doubles or worse, which puts you at 98. I would say I would set the over-under for myself on that course at 100 and a half, and I would take the over. 100 and a half? 100 and a half. 100 okay. and a half. I would say that if I played my best round, I think I could break 100. But I think more times than not, I would shoot well in triple digits. Okay, so I think that the average... The average tour pro has a handicap of plus seven, plus eight. I is that, I don't know if that's right or not. Like, is that um, plus or minus? Seems anyway, reasonable. they they on they on average like on a normal course would shoot yeah plus eight plus seven. So I'm, I will say plus seven. I think the average. Tour Pro is going to shoot, gosh, three over par on this course for nine holes, okay? So that's a, if it's par 70, that's a 73, right? And I know I am a 14 handicap, so that is 21 strokes worse than these guys. So if I take that 73 and add 21 strokes, that's 94, which is still way too low. So I think for me, if I broke... Gosh, if I broke a hundred and three, I think I'd be happy with it. I mean, the the positive about playing this is you know, unless you hit a ball like to the moon, or if you hit it in the water, like they're gonna find it because there's fans everywhere. You may hit one in the face, but they're gonna find it. So that 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 that's gonna help. But yeah, I, I don't think either of us should try to qualify for the PGA Championship. <laughs> I would love to. Soon. I would love to go play the course though and report back. Seat Geek. Yeah. Send us. Anybody, yeah. Send us because anybody can play. It's a public course. So let's talk Tiger a little bit. Big Cat. Yes. Big Cat has not played a round of golf competitively since he won the 2019 Masters, which was over a month ago, which is a long time, which is great because he can rest and get ready for this tournament. But at the same time, there's nothing like playing competitive golf. So I've heard. (laughs) So... 
Right. I mean, the most I've had is $5 on hitting the green on a par three, right? Like not that much pressure. And so, and even I start, my knees start shaking for that. But at the same time, he's Tiger Woods, right? So does this bother you at all that he hasn't played? And in addition, he didn't even go practice today. He, he decided that he was going to take another rest day and not practice the final day ahead of the 2019 PGA Championship. Give me your best hot take of are you worried about Tiger Woods? Okay, so he's Tiger Woods. Let me let me say this, but say that before I say this. He's Tiger Woods. I'm sure like he doesn't need to practice. What you know, Tiger Woods has hit a trillion golf balls in his life. He's played Beth, Beth Page Black probably 20 times. Like the course being different is not going to affect Tiger. He's Tiger. Let me say that. Now let me say this. That's true. Let me say this. When I found out today that he didn't show up for practice and that he's not playing any golf at all this week up until tomorrow when he tees off at like 8.30, that makes me nervous, not because I think he's going to play bad. It makes me nervous because I'm worried he's going to wake up and go to the range tomorrow and his back's going to be tight and he's going to pull out. That's what makes me nervous. If he's actually healthy and he plays, no, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, do your thing, Tiger. Show up healthy. But if he's not playing, not practicing, not playing competitive rounds – I was really surprised he didn't play, play this past weekend at the Byron Nelson. But if he's not doing that just to get healthy and rest, that's fine. If he's in any way injured or worried about his knee or his back or his arm or whatever's injured on Tiger at this point, that's what makes me nervous. So Tiger on Tuesday said, quote, there's definitely going to be a, comp- a component to stamina this week as the week goes on. Four days over a tough championship that is mentally and physically taxing takes its toll. So there's going to be expected cold weather conditions that he's going to have to manage. And some people are saying that he's dealing with an illness. Now, Mark Steinberg said that he's all good, just getting some rest. Saw the course last week. All is good. So, I mean, like... Tiger's pretty relentless in his efforts for majors and just in golf in general, right? Like he's he's win at all costs. And so for him to just skip out on practice rounds, he's not that good where he can just show up and just ball out. You know, I, I think there's something to this. Now, is it something that's going to really interfere with his quest to win the 2019 PGA Championship in the second leg of this Grand Slam? I don't know. I think that's we'll, – we'll wait and see on that. But, like, I, I definitely think – like, my eyebrows are raised to this for sure. I texted you today when I found out he wasn't wasn't practicing and just asked you if he were sure he's playing because it, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure he starts the round tomorrow and finishes it. It feels like Tiger three or four years ago where Tiger would start and then – you know, tweak something and bow out. I hope that's not the case because watching Tiger at the Masters was fantastic. It's the most fun I've had watching golf in 10 years. And I hope we get some more of that this weekend. But it is, it's just weird that he's not, I couldn't believe he didn't play any tournaments. There's been four tournaments since the Masters. He didn't play any of them. Uh, Like not one. And nobody's really talking about it. Like I haven't heard anybody like raise any eyebrows, but it's weird to me. Yeah, I, I think if there was something to talk about, they would talk about it because, you know, media companies love to, you know, love to draw attention. So I think if there's, you know, really truth to all this, that they would be talking. But I, 
I mean, people kept wondering, like, when's he going to play again? When's he going to play again? When's he going to play again? And he just didn't until this PGA Championship, and then he's skipping practice rounds. You know, it, people are saying it's all good, so I, I guess we can't say anything different right now. But, yeah, definitely eyebrows raised. So let's get to some picks for this thing. Um, I, I know one guy you're going to go with. You texted, to, you texted it to me, and, and I, think, um, I think that's an incredible pick. So we'll get to that. But let's go with, with, with some of the top names right now. Brooks and, Brooks and DJ are the favorites to win this tournament. Uh, McElroy's right behind him along with Tiger. They have the same odds in second, in second place, I guess, right there. Some of the next guys on the list, Rom, Rose, Fowler, Day, Shoffley, Molinari. Molinari is, wow, I guess he's 10th on this list after playing so well um, at Augusta and won the Open last year. Then Fleetwood, Finau, DeChambeau, and then it starts to get a little bit downhill from there. Um, I don't imagine you're going to choose Webb Simpson. So Not going to choose Webb um, Simpson, no. Yeah, so, so what are your thoughts about those names at, at the top of the list? Do you feel like anybody got slighted odds-wise? Do you see somebody that's like, man, that, that guy's sticking out for necessarily his odds or you know, just you think he, he could possibly win? This is going to hurt me to say this, okay, because I love this man, and it's, it's well documented. That I love Dustin Johnson. But, and I understand why he is a co-favorite, because Dustin Johnson is always in the hunt. Like He's going to be in one of the last couple of groups on Sunday. But he hasn't won a major since when? 2016, 2015? When was the last? Dustin Johnson's won one major in his whole in his life, career. and everybody talks about him as the best golfer in the world. And I, you know, if I had to pick somebody to win one tournament, I would take Dustin Johnson, just because he can do things that nobody else can do. But he's only won one, so I don't think that if you're actually laying capital on someone to win this tournament, I think that's a dangerous pick, just because he's only won one. But Yet he's always right there as one of the favorites. I also think that Molinari being tenth over, you know, tenth on the odds seems a little low to me. He was tearing it up going into the Masters. He played great at the Masters until the second nine on Sunday. So maybe that's just a little, you know, he he choked and let Tiger have that tournament. So maybe that's some residue from that. But that one jumps out to me as well. What about you? So. Uh- I don't know if this is personal bias. I don't know if it's me thinking about how the golf course is going to play and what kind of players I think are going to play best on it. But I, I don't know how Rory is not favored. He he is – I get it. Brooks has played so well, and, and DJ's got all the talent in the world. But I think if, like, everybody plays their best, Rory wins. You know, like, if, if all these guys line up and play their absolute best, Rory would win. And he hits the ball so far and so straight that you got to think that he has the biggest advantage on this course. And I get it. DJ does the same thing. Brooks pounds the ball as well. Uh, but Rory's just pure talent level outweighs them all in, in my book. You know, there, other people may differ. So I think for him to not be the favorite here is, is definitely surprising. Um, I, I guess I'll I'll go ahead and make my favorite pick, and I'm, I'm going to say Roy. I picked him in the Masters too. I, I just think he's so talented. I, I don't think he's won a, ma- a major in the last five years, which is crazy. He hasn't to think won about. in a long time either. I think that if you look at these odds, 
I think there's a clear tier of a top four. The top four, based on the Bovada odds we're looking at, are Kepka, Johnson, Rory, and Tiger. And I think that what they're saying is that those four are the favorites. I mean, DJ and Kepka are plus 1,000, Rory and Tiger are plus 1,100. So I don't know that you can really draw a distinction between those two. I think if everyone, like you said, if everyone plays their absolute best, I think those are the four best golfers. Tell me, I mean, is that, am I off base there? No, no, you're right. So I think that's what the odds are for. They're, you know, you can, you can try to, you know, quibble about what this course is going to be for this guy or how this guy's been playing or this and that. But I think if you're putting odds on a tournament like this, you have to base it on just who you think is the best golfer full stop. And I think those four at playing at their peak play the best, which I think that's why those four guys are there. Now, if you want to say Rory's the best, that's fine. I might say Dustin Johnson's the best, Tiger, you know, and Kepka just wins every major. So that's the four. So who 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 is your favorite? You, we'll each pick three guys. We'll do the same thing we did last time, right? A favorite, a dark horse, and a long shot. So, so are you holding me to that top four as a favorite? Meaning you could pick it, it, it's anybody in the top nine. Okay, so that's what all I'm the asking. way down to Shoffley. Because yes. so if I if because if I was going to pick Kepka, I would want somebody in that next nine for my second. So what you're saying is the first guy has to be one of the top nine on the list. Correct. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then I'm going to take Kepka because you didn't. Okay, you're going to take Kepka. I'm going to take Rory. I like both of those picks. Kepka, talk about Rory being set up for this course. Kepka is absolutely set up for this course too. Like this, this just screams Brooks Kepka win. So I would not be surprised one day. He's going to be in the mix on Sunday for sure. Okay, let's go dark horse. So I, I, I say a dark horse is a guy anywhere from number ten on the odds list to number. Thirty maybe. Um, I'm I'm gonna look down to to Webb Simpson as the uh, as a cutout for the the dark horse. So basically, what I'm thinking about this is he's plus seven thousand, and it's somebody that's a, a top player in the world. You know, they could win on any given week, but they're just not as quite as talented as as those top, you know, nine guys. Which Ricky's Ricky's number seven. Ricky's not gonna win. Uh, but anyways, that's beside the cut point. Cut that so, out. Producer, cut that out. Play it back when Ricky wins. <laughs> um, right. So, SeatGeek, right? <laughs> so, um, get us a producer. So, do you have somebody in mind on that next tier of guys that you think could possibly win? A couple of guys. Okay. So, the first name that jumps out at me is Adam Scott, who – Correct me if I'm wrong. Is the current number one golfer in the world? Is that wrong? Isn't he? That's wrong. It's wrong. Dustin Johnson is the currently the number one golfer in the Wasn't world. Wasn't Adam Scott number one at the Masters? No. Justin Rose. I think Justin Just, Rose. I get. Was I get. The, the I, yeah. Yeah. I get those guys mixed up. Never mind. How dare you disgrace Justin? I Rose get those like guys mess, mixed up. Strike Adam Scott from the record. Producer, cut that last 30 seconds out. Okay. Adam Scott will not win the PGA Championship. The first name that jumps out at me from that list is Tony Finau, who played fantastic on Saturday at the Masters, ended up in the final group with Molinari and Tiger Woods. One of the, I mean, I feel like Finau is the up-and-coming, like, young superstar golfer that people don't talk about nearly as much outside of him dislocating his ankle last year and then walking 18 holes the is next Is that Tony Finau or Brooks Kepka? I could well, I mean, Brooks Kepka's actually won majors, so I feel like we talk about him a little bit more. 
But Finau's just always there. So I would that would be the first name that jumps out at me. Also, I'm going to mention Bubba Watson in this tier because you besmirched him earlier. Never, <laughs> never doubt Bubba hitting his pink golf balls. But the guy I'm going to take out of this tier... The Volvix. <laughs> the guy I'm going to take out of this tier, I'm going to snipe you because I know he's the one you're going to take, is Patrick Cantlay. Oh. Give me Cantlay for no particular reason other than he is another guy who I've like vaguely heard of, but... I feel like you check the leaderboard and Cantlay's always in the top five, or has a. He's has so a he's stupid talented. He he really he's like he he's 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 just young, um, but he's incredibly talented. So there you go. That's six with your young up and coming vibe. I was I was eyeing Cantlay to be honest with you, but that just freed me up to be honest with you because I was I was I was trying to decide between him and him and another guy, and I'll tell you who it's not is Jordan Spieth. It's not. Spieth is, is in this tier too. Spieth is not. He's plus five thousand. Spieth. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gonna nineteenth on the odds list. One day Spieth is going to figure it out and become the best golfer in the world again, like he was before. But that's not going to happen this week. Right. So he he's he's on this Kucher. I'm not picking simply because <laughs> I don't like him. Um, Stinson and Ustazen and Webb Simpson. Um, and Adam Scott, Bubba Watson just are, are simply not going to win. Matsuyama is not going to win. I know that. So I see a guy out here who has yet to win a, win a major, but he's played on a Ryder Cup team, and he is stupid good, stupid talented. And as much as I do not like this person, I'm going to select him as my dark horse, and that is Bryson DeChambeau. Typing before DeChambeau, you said the Shambo crushes the golf ball, and there's no doubt in these tough conditions that him spraying water on a golf ball a couple of months ago to simulate dew is definitely <laughs> going to assist him in this in this tournament. Just his, his his way, I don't know if it's real or not, but his way to scientifically dissect situations and make golf shots from it are really good. And he was in the lead the first day of the Masters, proceeded to implode and then make a hole-in-one on Sunday. So there you go. Got to be leading well, trending well. So Shambo is my dark horse to win the PGA Championship. So I have McElroy and DeChambeau. You have Kepka and Cantlay. Correct. All good picks. I think we're, we're doing good so far. So let's go to the long shot, right? So our long shot, I think for me, is any, anybody down – from that Webb Simpson category. Actually, let's do anybody 10,000 and lower. So that knocks out. You can't pick Poulter or Leishman. So you can go from Kokrak all the way down to Tyler Hall. Can we can we pick three names off of this final list? Because this is a lot more golfers. Yeah, we three can. So long shots. Three long shots. Yeah, I like that. Right. I like that. So you go and then I'll go. All right. Let me, as an aside... Am I am I missing something? Where is Justin Thomas? On the, is Justin Thomas not? Did he drop out of this tournament? Justin Thomas WD because of his wrist. Really? He would have been a great person to pick in this tournament. How but did yeah, I miss he WD because of his wrist. Yeah, it was a couple of days ago. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't know that. Learning stuff live on the pod. Okay, so if we're taking three, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first, and I'm gonna take the guy we previously talked about, and then I'm gonna while you're talking, I'm gonna find a couple other guys that I want. So the first guy yeah. I'm gonna take. Um, for sheer comedic value, and because he also has been playing well lately, is Kyrdek Afibonrat. 
the cure that the the vape master the the Taiwanese John Daly is is coming through clutch. He's gonna he's gonna shoot like a fifteen under when everybody else is trying to break par and win the whole thing. So you you took Kyrdek Apivonrat. Is that correct? Correct. That's my first long shot pick. Yeah, you can mark that down. So I'll tell you who I'm not picking is Pat Perez because I saw him break the head off of his driver on a swing. <laughs> happened today. to me one time. It can happen, okay? <laughs> yeah, happened to you who would set your odds at over 100. <laughs> this guy's trying to win this tournament. Um, yeah, not picking him. So my first long shot is is right off the cusp here. He's plus 15,000. 15, it's a guy, young guy who's won on the PGA Tour. He hits the ball a country mile. So my first pick is going to be Aaron Wise. Aaron He's Wise. A rookie last year, played pretty well on the PGA Tour, trending. Aaron Wise, my first long shot to win the PGA Tour, to PGA Championship. You can win the PGA Tour, I guess. Well. Win the whole but thing. There you go. That, we'll, save that. we'll save that for another time. Good pick. You pick someone that could walk into my house right now, and I would not know who he was. Good job by you. That was my goal. Good job by you. That was my goal. All right. My next long shot pick is a complete sucker pick based solely on recent history. Someone who I'd never heard of three months ago, but has impressed me um, in, in, you know, in the intervening few weeks. I'm taking the big Dane, Danish Dustin Johnson, Lucas Beauregard. (laughs) I knew when I saw him on this that you were going to take him. It's a sucker pick. I had already. It's a sucker. I had already crossed him off. He's not going to win, but hey, he he beat Tiger heads up in that in the match play, and that says something. All right, you can't. That doesn't say nothing. You're right. It doesn't say nothing. I don't know if it says something. So I mean, here's the thing about these long shots, right? They. You're just pretty much closing your eyes and throwing a dart at a dartboard. So I figure if I'm going to close my eyes and throw a dart at the dartboard, I'm going to at least throw my or throw the dart at somebody I like. Exactly. Okay? Yes. Appy Bonrat. For me, for, that's Appy Bonrat. And for me, with my next pick, it's Eddie Pepperell. Eddie Pepperell is plus fifteen thousand, the, the same as Aaron Wise, and he is hilarious. He is he is so funny, and you need to go follow him on Twitter. He just did this prank on. I think it was Matthew Fitzpatrick on the European Tour Twitter account. So you need to go look at that. That's pretty good. But he's been playing good golf too. I mean, he had a high finish at the, uh, I think at the the players, and he was pretty close to winning uh, the British Masters last week. So he's trending as well. I think I think he has a chance to win. So he he is my second long shot, Eddie Pepperell. Okay, another aside. Can you explain to me what the British Masters is? There was a PGA Tour event last week, yet there's something called the British Masters going on. What is that? Okay, so there are multiple tours, right? Just like there's multiple soccer leagues, there's multiple golf tours. So not only do you have the PGA Tour, but you have the Web.com Tour, okay? Like, yeah, those two are sort of in conjunction, but they're really not. Like, they're... They're separate tours with their separate money lists and their separate leaderboards and their separate events. They also have the PGA Canada Tour and the PGA Latin America Tour. All of these are affiliated with the PGA Tour, but they're all separate. Like Just because you have membership of the PGA Latin America Tour doesn't mean you can necessarily play like on the web.com. You're, you're on that. 
Then across the pond, they have what's called the European Tour, which is just basically Europe's version of the PGA Tour. A lot of the guys from Europe grow up, start playing on that tour first, and then they have partial membership over there, partial membership here on the PGA Tour. But basically, it is the PG, or the Europe's version of the PGA Tour, right? Separate money list, separate everything. Um, and the majors are held in conjunction with the PGA Tour and the European Tour. So they're like co-sponsored events between those two. So guys that play... Like, for instance, McElroy has status on the European Tour and the PGA Tour. So when he plays in this PGA Championship, however many points he racks up, he is going to get points for both of those tours, right? Um, Yeah, so the British Masters was just a European Tour event. So if you're Rory McElroy or Tommy Fleetwood and it's the British Masters at the same time as the Byron Nelson, it's the same week, you can just... You can play either one of those events. You choose which one you right. want to play. Okay. You get you get the choice. Tommy Fleetwood hosted the British Masters, so he, of course, was there. Um, but, right, correct. Fair enough. Question answered. My third and final um, long shot pick is a man whom I don't know how well he's playing. I haven't heard anything out of him um, so far this year on the PGA Tour. Now, that could have been because I wasn't paying close enough attention. Correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong. But... He is a former major champion. He's a former PGA champion, and that is Martin Keimer, plus 15,000. I will take Martin Keimer, two-time major winner, one-time PGA champion winner at Whistling Straits, I believe, in Wisconsin, which um, wow, uh, there yeah, you go. Never, I've never played Whistling Straits. I've never played Beth, Beth, Page, Beth Page Black, but I feel like they're pretty you know, comparable courses, um, so it sets up well for him. Uh, he's German, so there's that. Um, I'm exhausting the Wikipedia page on Martin Keimer. That is my third and final pick of long shot. Okay. Fifth and final pick. Keimer. I, I don't think Keimer will win. No, I don't think so either. For that reason, but, hey. for that reason, he might win. I think honestly. I think Patrick Cantlay is going to win, but that's not true. So, that's not true. You make your pick, and I'm going to tell you who's going to win. Who I want to change. I want to change my Cantlay pick, but go ahead. Okay. So what did I just say? It's basically like throwing a dart on a board. Correct. And I like throwing darts at people I like. So my last pick won a, won a tournament a couple weeks ago, and that's Max Homa. Yep. I can't not pick yep. him. Um, he's great. So is Pepperell, but Homa's great too. I want to root for both of those guys. So Homa's my last long shot at plus 20,000. Okay, so what do you want to do? What do you want to go back on? Okay. One guy that we've got to talk about before we get out of here. And I'm not actually going to change my official picks because of the way the uh, distinctions are set up here in our draft. It's not going to allow me to do it. I'm sticking with Kepka and Cantlay as my two my two favorites. But one guy we got to talk about is Big John Rom. All right, he's he's one of the most Big John Rom. I think Big he Johnny is, Boy uh, perennially underrated. We're just gonna we're gonna stay on that train. He's never won a major, but he's always close. He hits the crap out of the ball. He drive, I think his average driving distance is 476 yards, which is far. Um, he can get hot. He can get hot with the flat stick. He can get it's hot in the ways. head. He can he can scream at patrons in three or four different languages because he's European. That's what those guys do. Um, Big John Rom. I don't know if he's going to win. He's probably not going to win. All of these guys are probably not going to win. But I think we've got to talk about John Rom. 
put him on the board as my uh, as my sleeper, not actually a pick pick. All right, so I want to do one more thing, and this is look at the leaderboard and within the top, like down the web since and down to the dark horse. Like, who do you think is absolutely not going to win? Because that's probably the person that is going to win. Okay, so one guy who is a I guess betting semi favorite. Not, would not be a shock if he won that you have to say is not going to win. That is that the yes. premise here? I mean, I'll go first if you want me to. Mine's not going to be any fun, but. All right, I'll, I'll go first. You go first because I'm, I'm hoping you take the guy that I'm looking at. So Big I can take cat. Else. That's who my pick is. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, yep. no. Yep. Yep. Tiger's the, Tiger's the second favorite. And. At this course, you can't scramble. you got to hit the ball in the center, which he does not do very well. And there's not going to be a guy with the tennis ball machine shooting balls back into the fairway form like there was at Augusta <laughs> National. Plus, we don't know what's going on with his back. We don't know what's going on while he's sitting out. He is not going to win this tournament. I will take exception with one thing you said there. You said that you cannot scramble at this golf cart. Golf course. Correct. I can't scramble at this golf course. You can't scramble at this golf course. Tiger Woods absolutely can. And even if there's not somebody in the woods throwing his ball back in the fairway, he'll go into the woods and he'll hit it through a, a peanut-sized hole and hit it on the green. I've seen him do it. All right, he's Tiger Woods. That being said, I think there's like a not zero, not a non-zero chance that he, by this time tomorrow, he's withdrawn from the tournament. So I think that's a good pick. I'm rooting for you to not be right because I want to see Tiger in contention. But hey, I'm rooting. Uh, I'm rooting for was, myself not to be right. <laughs> This is a reverse jinx, is yeah, all that was, right. right? Reverse jinx. The guy I was looking at is Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth's not going to win, but I'm not going to say that because that's not going to be fun. The The guy I'm going to take in this little in this little uh, question you're asking me is Sergio Garcia. Yeah. Sergio Garcia is not going to win There's no way. Why is Sergio plus 4,000? That makes no sense. Stupid. Um, it's not smart. Okay. we got to move on. We've got like 10 minutes left in this pod. And we have to get to the conspiracy closet. So, it's a good one right. this week. Yeah, kind of. I don't know if I can describe this all that well. <laughs> You're going to have to help me. But yeah, cue the music. It's pretty cue heavy. the music. It's heavier than Willy Wonka last week. So I'm going to tell you something, and you're going to say I'm crazy. But I'm going to tell you that you, I might not be crazy. We are living in the world in the year 1722 right now. Currently? Yes, right now. We think it's 2019? Not 1722. And I'm about to tell you why. So, Bold. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to try to tell you why. We'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how well I do this. So, basically, a couple of years ago, Dr. Hans Ulrich Niemitz, who I would only assume is German, came up with his phantom time hypothesis which he asks his readers to be patient, benevolent, and open to radically new ideas because his claims are highly unconventional. If that doesn't scream, I have a conspiracy theory, hear me out, then I have no idea what does. This is a highly educated person who took this paper to a highly reputable scientific journal and couldn't title it i have a conspiracy theory so he titled it whatever that was you just said <laughs> right patient benevolent and open to radically new ideas so <laughs> conspiracy theory. this this is because his paper suggested three difficult to believe propositions number one hundreds of years ago our calendar was polluted 
with 297 years, which never actually occurred. So this year is not 2019, or as he said, in, this was 2005, but it's rather two, or 1722. So basically, here is what happened, right? The Julian, original Julian calendar was implemented in 45 BC. The problem is... Julian as in Julius Caesar for the listeners. exactly. The Julian calendar was 10.8 minutes too long per year. So eventually, over the course of 1,627 years, it accumulated to... 10 days, right? Like 10 days of time had been misrepresented in this calendar. So a pope in the 1500s, actually 1582, created the Gregorian calendar, Pope Gregory the 13th, which the Gregorian calendar, Pope Gregory. So it replaced. It's all right. coming together. <laughs> there you go. Conspiracy confirmed. <laughs> the Jul- so it replaced the outdated Julian calendar. The reason they did this is because Easter was happening later in the year, um, and Easter was meant to be happened happened right in the middle of springtime or the beginning of spring. Or I, I don't remember exactly, but basically it was causing Easter and the whole religious schedule to go out of whack, and so they decided to fix it. So by this conspirator's math, the 1,627 years which have passed since the Julian calendar started should have accrued a 13-day discrepancy. A 10-day error would have only taken 1,257 years. So if you take the amount of time that the calendar had polluted and added days and you subtracted that, it went back somewhere in the 300s, right? So you think, okay, well, how does that happen if it's created in 45 BC, but it only goes back to th- to the 300s? It's because there was this religious council in the 300s where they sort of put everything together, where this, okay, they sort of set the date right. So that's where, that's where it originates from. The Julian calendar is from some time in the 300s. But this guy said that because of those 10 days had been added, there was a period of 300 years that had been remissed from the world pretty much. And he pretty much he, he decided that it was the middle ages, okay? The reason that he decided that it was the middle ages was there is this ruler, right? His ruler the ruler's name was Otto the 3rd. And I don't know exactly what it was. It was in the time of Constantine. Um, I don't know exactly what uh, what country he was ruling over, but basically, he believed that he was sent by Christ to signal, or sent by God to signal the time that it, there was going to be a thousand years left in the world. When this guy ruled, it was in seventeen hundred. I think year 1690 or 1700. Um, and so Otto III came and he wanted to be sure that he was king in the year 1000 AD. 
because it had great religious significance. I don't know exactly what the significance is biblically, but we must assume that... Not a ton of Bible in this. Right, yeah. He, he brought other leaders into this, like, conspiracy. Um, there's no evidence given to how these men, could, like, elaborated this, which means it's probably true, but he determined that... Um, <laughs> They fabricated 300 years of global history to such an extent that it would dupe every single person on the earth for hundreds of years until, I guess, the 1900s when when people started to dive into this. Basically, have you ever, like, what, what do you know about time? Like, can you say for sure that we are in the year 2019 apart from, like, somebody, the calendar telling you that you're in 2019? Well, no. I mean, time is just a social construct, like the calendar, right? The calendar is what we want it to be. Like, so science can tell us how many days are supposed to be in a year, right? And, you know, you have like the leap years and all that because how long the earth takes to get around the sun. And we know how long a day is based on how long the earth takes to rotate around, you know, one time. But the way we count that is completely arbitrary. So no, I mean, it could be anything. Like, it, it could be the year 5,000 for all. It's just where you start. Like we're in the year 2019 because they were trying to start the calendar in the year that Christ was born. And based on when they thought that was, it was 2019 years ago. Now, whether or not they were right, who knows? And what's happened since then? Who knows? I've actually heard, this was not the first time I've heard about this conspiracy that three year, 300 years basically just came out of nowhere because some guy thought that he wanted to be king in the year 1,000. I don't know why, but I think that part of the reason is that we've that this is plausible is because there's not a lot of European history from that time period. Like we call it the Dark Ages because nothing happened. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. To your point, um, they claim the chapel in a chin has a style that appears to them to be 200 years before it should have actually been built. There's also not enough archaeological evidence from the year 600 to 900 and at the times at times claiming that archaeologists purposely added material just to support the conclusion that the years 600 to 900 existed um thus the ab is demons put said quote thus the absent period was constructed by layers of com- composed waste and ceramic fragments from other locations which were spread to fill the gap and support known chronologically. It was also noted that one of his one of the finds um, from the time of Charlemagne, which was in the Middle Ages, there was actually from the 13th century. This was legit. Like this, this was has been proved that there's a couple of artifacts here that people have claimed to be from the Middle Ages that were not. They were they were completely fabricated. Like that's legitimate. That happened, um, which thus gives proof. Um, you know, to, to this conspiracy theory, some proof. Um, one last thing before, before I let you talk and give your, give your point to this is that Nemitz points to the fact that there was little evidence of towns in Germany at this time, except for the presence of churches. Um, but I, I will say that these, these are conveniently ignored. These things that happen in this, in this time frame are, no, are, ignored in the conspiracy theory. The birth of Muhammad and the rise of Islam, 
the Chinese Tang Dynasty, which ruled at this time, and, and they have all of their archives. Uh, the recorded astrological events of the time period, such as the arrival of Halley's Comet, the, ri- the reigns of countless monarchs, and the writings of scholars, um, some evidence from this time period. Um, but these are all misunderstanding or fabrications designed by a worldwide conspiracy to add the historical 300 years to the record that never really happened. So conspiracies are conspiracies because like, because people want it because they're interesting to talk about. And when you throw a piece of information at a conspiracy that would render it impossible, the conspiracy just needs to get bigger to accommodate that. So that sounds like what you're saying there. But the reason that this is that I think this is theoretically possible is because in that time period in Europe specifically, everything was controlled by the Catholic Church. Like no one, none, none of the regular people had any access to any history. They didn't know what year it was. They didn't know, you know, what the Bible said. They didn't know what any other book said. I don't think there were any other books you were just, you went and you worked on your farm and then you went home and that was it. So it's possible that the Catholic church could have fabricated 300 years in Europe. That's possible. What it completely leaves out is everything that was happening, not in Europe. And there's a ton, like you, you alluded to, there's a ton of like documented historical facts from many other places around the world from that time period. Like we call it the dark ages because our history like the way we teach history, the way we learn history is based on the European model. It's based on what was happening in Rome and Greece and France and Germany and those places that we call the Dark Ages because there was nothing going on in those places. But there was a ton of stuff going on in the Middle East, in China, in other places that we conveniently overlook because it's not – we as Americans, we don't see that as our origin, right? We see our origin as Alexander and Caesar and all these other Romans that we talk about. So I think that it's a classic conspiracy theory. It's a great conspiracy theory because it's easily disproved. And when you disprove it, the conspiracy just gets bigger. And you say, well, yeah, of course there's documents from China, but the, the Pope fabricated those too. And it's all, it's like Hitler said, it's all the Jews in the end, right? The Jews are un- responsible for everything. Informal podcast does not believe that. Right. Um, Disclaimer. So... The, the the thing about that I'm that I'm wondering about is in the year in the year six hundred to nine hundred or seven hundred to nine hundred. Do you think people are actually worried about what year it was? Like, is that something that was meaningful in their everyday life? Like, we, you know, when I when I touch my phone, it says it's May fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. Like, I always know what day it what year it is, know what day it is. But like, it's not like I know. Okay, I've got to catch a flight on May twentieth. Um, I've, you know, got this appointment on May 19th. Like at this point, you know, if they needed to go somewhere, they just went whenever they got there, they got there. Like, I mean, it was dates were not important, um, unless you were using it for some religious context, I would have to imagine or no. And that, yeah, no, that's what I was trying to get at is they, they, not only did they not care, they didn't, right. Like, even if they wanted to know, there was no way for them to find out. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think it could be possible. Like it, it'd be a lot more possible now for your uh, world government to decide what date it is then than now. And you know, if if the majority of um, you know the the world around it believed in 
you know, the, the, this guy and what he was saying religiously, um, then like it, it's conceivable it could have happened. Um, you know, it, it, is it a long shot? Yeah, but I guess it could happen. So, all right. Final, final, last thing we got, we got to run out of here. Is this conspiracy true? No, absolutely. Yeah, not. it's not true. Um, not true. I, yeah, I also didn't explain it all that well, but go look up. It's a phantom time theory. It's heavy. Call, give us a call. There's a lot of lot of info in here on this one. Right. Yeah. Get yeah. Get your specs. Well out. researched by someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not us, obviously. So read it. Hit us up. Let us know what you think, especially if you think it's actually true. Um, we'd love to hear that. So, Sam, anything else you got before we head out? Uh, nothing else. Just watched Austin Riley's first major league bat, and he struck out, so he's a bust, and send him back down. On a, on a walk of punt, on a walk of change up. So, I mean, there that you go. That was nasty. Yeah, that was nasty. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. Thanks as always for joining us. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on our voicemail. We will leave the number in the link, and I guess we'll catch you next time. Peace. <laughs>